Hello, everybody, and welcome to our first episode. Uh, I am Anthony Henderson, joined with my fantastic co-host, Allie Ladd. Hey! We, <laughs> we are so thrilled uh, to uh, present to you our, our, our podcast. Um, Allie, how are you today? Um, tired, but I feel like I'm tired every day lately. You know, you got to get some sunshine in your life. Yeah. Stay awake. And now it's raining outside, so it's the opposite of that. All right. Let's move on. Um, Okay. Well, I'm happy to be here with you, though. So, hi. So, uh, this was a friend of ours we went to uh, school with growing up, uh, Caitlin Mays. She's very, very talented. And uh, she's done a lot of, lot of uh, great stuff. She went to school to be uh, for musical theater and has, you know been in such shows as Into the Woods, Hairspray, Beauty and the Beast, Legally Blonde, Ragtime, Oklahoma, and was fortunate enough to serve in the national tour of Cinderella as Cinderella, which uh, she'll go into uh, later on. And then most recently, she was in the first national tour, I believe I have that right, of Bandstand. But as you'll find out with all things related to COVID uh, that has since been canceled. But I, uh, I feel really lucky that we got to talk to her, especially for the first one, just because she's one of those people that you might not have talked to for a couple of years. And as soon as you reconnect, you just pick up right where you left off. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, she's just inspiring to me. Like what she does takes a lot of resiliency and a lot of, uh, she has a lot of pressure on her all the time. Right. And maybe it doesn't seem like this from her perspective, but from my perspective, I, I admire how she deals with her, uh, day to day life and everything is, um, a question every day, what she's going to be doing next. Um, especially with on the road tours and especially with coronavirus and living in New York and all that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just admire her a lot. Yes, yes. And you'll hear you'll hear uh more of her story uh with this episode, so we hope you enjoy. Caitlin, we're so thrilled to have you with us today. Oh, thank you so much. All, I'm so excited. All the way in New York City. How is it? How are you doing out there? How are you feeling emotionally, mentally? What's going on? Oh, um, you know, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, you know, New York has has a very resilient spirit, and as much as it's hard in comparison to other things that New York has been through, because there's been a lot of like coming together. Whereas in this situation, we can't physically come together. Um, You know, New York is still pushing through. So it feels good to be sort of at the center of, of people really, you know, trying to, to come together and make a difference if they, even if they can't physically. What are you doing personally though? I know your life has taken a lot of changes. Um, Personally, I, well, I my tour was officially canceled, closed. Um, and what was that? I just so everybody. Oh, sorry. Uh, the bandstand first national tour. Um, yes. So that I guess uh, we we left in March, March thirteenth. 
with uh, the hopes of returning. We thought we would be on hiatus. Um, and obviously that didn't happen. So now I am here trying to not let the uncertainty of everything freak me out. But that's sort of the nature of the job, um, being a musical theater performer and doing gig contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone is always a little bit used to having a little bit of job uncertainty and instability. There's just a new level. Um, but I'm learning lots of great new hobbies. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I, I'm doing a paint-by-number that I gave up when I was eight years old. Uh, so that's been really fun. I Those are really valuable right now, so... Hey, I know. Who knew? My Why parents, did you keep it that long? Uh, well, my grandmother... <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. My grandmother took me to buy it over the summer one time, I guess, to keep me busy. And I painted a couple of blue spots, like the big spots, and then looked closer at all of it and decided this was a no-go. And funny enough, it's actually um, a picture of Times Square. Really? And, yeah. Isn't that wild how life works like it, that? It truly is. And so right, now I have to see the finished product, though. I, I know. Or maybe you were always destined to be on Broadway. Maybe. You know, all, I don't know. Let's hope. Um, but yeah, so it's... Uh, that's that's been an interesting venture. I I've, I've learned that I have kind of a green thumb. Okay. And I've learned that I was right when I said I would read if I had more time. I actually oh. am reading. Good for you cuz I am not. I thought that I truly thought it was a lie I was telling myself. I have been begging my boyfriend Brian for a cat. Begging. Yeah, I'm surprised you don't have one. Well, we do have 5 roommates. Okay. So, you know, getting getting everyone on board for that kind of thing, plus... You have five roommates? Yeah, well, so this How is a... How does this work? <laughs> so this is a four-bedroom apartment. Um, okay. My, um, it's We're currently in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Okay. Um, so my, my apartment that I'm on the lease for is actually in Washington Heights, which is in Manhattan, Upper Manhattan. Um, yes, ooh, um, not that fancy, but I was subletting it to someone while I was out on tour. So when I came back for what I thought was a hiatus, I was staying at Brian's with just my suitcases, um, until we were called back out to the road, but that didn't happen. Um, so yes, so his, his apartment is a four bedroom and then I was added into the mix and there are other people in the apartment with partners who are also now here oh my gosh that sounds kind so, of fun it's kind it of like were you communal were you like traveling on a tour bus were you with everybody when they announced that it's going to be canceled like what do people do if they don't have a place to go yes yeah, so that was that was super crazy and tons and tons of accolades to our company manager for making that all happen overnight essentially um we were we were, where were we? I think we were in Easton, Pennsylvania, which was lucky for us who were coming back to New York because mm-hmm. they didn't have to fly us. They could bus us back. Um, but we we heard that Broadway was going to be shut down. Um, and originally it was for a month. And of course, everyone was like, what does that mean? Oh, my God. And we, you know, we, we showed up to the theater for the show and we were waiting to have our company meeting and we saw one of our head producers was there out of the blue and we were like, uh, uh oh, so that never happens. Mm-mm, no, no. Okay. 
unless we're unless we're like in New Jersey when they're going to come see the show anyway. Um, that was that was an odd. And she also had cookies with her, and we were like, "Those are sad cookies. This is not good for us." <laughs> um, you know, and so they told us that surprise, this was going to be our last show for now, for now, which really mm-hmm. helped, honestly. If I she if, told you that before the show, yeah. That's, I mean, it was hard, but at I the same it. time, it's like I guess her adults. It might be harder yeah. if if they didn't tell you. I I don't really know what's right to be honest, yeah, but I guess it did true. help to to. We kept being like, oh, we'll be back, we'll be back, we'll be back. Instead of, I think I just would have broke down and cried and not really had a good show. If maybe that's for the best. Yeah, I think it was. That this is so sad because this was the weekend we were going to go to Dallas and see her. This performing. weekend was. Yeah. <laughs> or wait. <laughs> Yeah, this weekend. This yeah. Saturday. I know. Yeah. I, well, I flights got, are cheap now. You want to go anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> I got an email recently. I think it was just an auto email that was like, your your comp tickets have been confirmed. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no. It was sad. So the show is off completely yes. now. Yeah. So we oh thought that gosh. they were they were trying to reschedule dates and move stuff around, push stuff out. We were about to re-sign... Um, we were about to sign extensions for contracts because we were originally signed for June and then they were saying, oh, maybe it's going to go to July. Maybe it's going to go through August. And so people were looking at signing extensions. And then we got an email saying, you know, this is, this is not going to happen. And it made more sense for them to just officially close the tour. But can they bring it back in like a year or so, or is it, Um, or is that kind of thing? I guess they could. It's, I guess it sort of depends on. You know, we don't really know what the future of live theater is going to be right now, but I'm sure they could and they have everything stored if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. They may also, it might be more profitable for them to sell the rights to regional houses, mm-hmm. um, meaning like regional being like Stages St. Louis or, you know, places yeah. that put on other shows and they would, if they could they could sell it to more people and and people could just put on their own productions of it. So that that's another option for them once live theater comes back. So when you say there's such uncertainty with live theater, like are you saying possibly the format moving forward would be different? Maybe smaller venues or you know yeah I, not I, as many people or it's obviously we can't predict it and there have been tons of you know one of the one of the great things about all of all of this going down is that a lot of the uh, theater community and artist community in general have come together. And I've met a lot of different people, you know, via online, but still met a lot of people and I've been making a wider community. But there is constant talk of what is this going to look like? What is this going to look like? And the truth is nobody knows. Yeah. Um, but, you know, taking, taking a page from what Broadway's doing, you know, they're not looking at reopening at all until at least 2021. It's yeah. just with crowds that size and being so close to each other. And they've also done studies about what about singing. And mm-hmm. there's more particles, you know, when you're singing or projecting your voice or dancing and breathing really hard, there's more um, uh, uh, spit particles and stuff flying around. So um, I, it's going to be different. I wonder, if, I wonder if the format we could take something where you could stream it at home. You know, like they just do these live performances, yeah. no audience, and then people pay. How do like you feel about that, though? Because I mean, at home. There, yeah. there's a it's difference between it being streamed and it being 
live. There's just something about seeing the people in front of you. Yeah, like absolutely. How, how, how do you feel about that? It's, it's such a double-edged sword because on one hand, it, it's, it's incredible to, to have the idea that, that people who couldn't normally see the shows or travel to New York or travel to a big theater and see these productions will have access to it easier and obviously they're not going to charge as much you know you're going to charge seven dollars for an on-demand video instead of you know hundreds of dollars for a ticket um so in that aspect as far as arts education is concerned um and reaching mass audiences it's really great um but on the other hand there there is something to be said about the live theater experience um it's why people pay to see it it's different than than sitting at home or sitting, even sitting in a movie theater. Right. Um, and there's, there, there was a study done about live theater where they talked about how the audience's heartbeats sync up while they're watching a live production. And it's, it's one of, I love, I will go back and read that study sometimes just when I'm feeling down about my career because it makes it feel all kinds of worth it. Um, and you know, when, when you're seeing a live production, it is, it is exactly that show one time, only one time. You know, it's never, even if you do it exactly the same, it's not the same experience for the next audience that comes to see it the night after. You know, so it's very particular to that audience. They all get to share that experience together that one time. Um, and it's special for them. So I liked that aspect when we went and saw you in Cinderella mm -hmm. I was like how do you just not get bored of what you're saying and you said you tweak little things that only you guys would know but the audience wouldn't just to keep it like exciting at the I think about that all the time exactly <laughs> That's yeah. really interesting. especially a long-running show you know it's different if you're doing a couple weekends but you know when you're doing I I did 370 something productions of Cinderella wow. um, and I loved it, but you also, you know, there is an aspect of obviously always be a professional, but you have to, you have to keep <laughs> things fresh or, you know, people, people will know it'll seem robotic, right? 370. Is there one that you, um, that sticks out in your mind for some reason that you'll like never forget? Oh gosh. Of Cinderella? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> probably... Probably the one where, so when I originally started with the company, I was in the ensemble and I understudied um, one of the stepsisters and Cinderella. And I had gone on for Cinderella um, several times and I knew that they, that the company was currently auditioning to, to replace some of the people who weren't coming back next year. One of them was the Cinderella. She was not going to re-up her contract. Um, and they were auditioning in New York City. And I reached out to um, some of the head producers just to say, hey, um, I've been going on for her a lot. I think it's been going well. I would love to be considered. I don't know how to go about that um, since I'm on the road. So what do you suggest? And I was expecting like, hey, put this on tape, like send it in, you know, put it on YouTube and we'll, we'll take a look at it. They're like, oh, aren't you coming to New Jersey soon? Uh, we'll just schedule you to go on and we'll all come see it. And oh, I was like, oh my gosh. Now, that's a great opportunity 
uh, don't mess it up. You literally get, you know, two and a half hours to literally play the role in costume with a full orchestra in microphone to audition for the role. That's huge. Who who does that? But at the same time, it was also two and a half hours to mess it up. Yeah. I've never been so terrified in my life. And then there were more people that I, I just expected the producers to come. And then I was like getting ready and it was after half hour, which is like half hour call is the like um, what they call when everyone has to be there and getting ready. So mm-hmm. after half hour, it's like we're we're in business. And I was sitting there getting ready after half hour. And then someone's like, knock, knock, knock. Hey, can I come in? And I look up. And it's Mark Brokaw, the original Broadway director. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And then Josh <laughs> Rhodes, who's the original in? Broadway choreographer. And I was like, Ex- I'm sorry. Uh, hi. He's like, hey, just want to say good luck. See ya. Like, and then you get just what? thrown on the stage. Yes. And on top of that, people were like whispering about stuff. I'm like, oh, what's going on? They're like, oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. We found out that one of the kids from Stranger Things was there watching the show, too. Like a celebrity. Um, Gatton. They didn't tell you? Why? They didn't want to tell you to ma- not make you nervous or something? I think so. I think they knew I was already really nervous, so they were trying to limit how many people I knew were in the audience making me nervous. <laughs> well, at that point, just freaking. Yeah, at that matter. point, you know what? Just throw it all at me. Just put Beyonce in the audience. <laughs> I feel like you do good under pressure, though. Am, am I wrong in saying that? Um, I'm told that I do. But in your head, it's I, like, Ugh. Yeah, I think I must seem very calm, but... I was in full panic and probably kind of blackout. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I definitely, I dropped a bunch of stuff in that show. I made like, yes, I I dropped a whole basket of fruits and vegetables. And they got the stick, the the broom. and (laughs) No, like on an exit. (laughs) And they had started a new scene. Like the prince was talking in the throne room and I was still on stage, like picking up potatoes that had rolled away. And I was not supposed to be there anymore. Like, I, <laughs> Is that something that everybody noticed or only you noticed because it's slightly different than the other shows? You know like, what? I think that's one of those things that only you noticed. We, we can hope so. But you know what? At the end of the day, <laughs> somehow I got the role in spite of dropping the potatoes. So. Did they tell you right after that show or how long oh, did you Oh, no. I, I, I think it was, prob- it was two to two and a half months after. That is not cool. <laughs> I'd be freaking out that whole Yeah, time. I just went around my business. I was, uh, we were at a lunch stop in Alabama at a Walmart. Like, there was nothing around, um, so we stopped at a Walmart for lunch, um, you know, where you really got to get creative with your lunch choices. And I was walking around with my friends, and all of a sudden I realized I had missed a call from one of the producers. And mm. I, like, pointed to my friend. I was like, she called. I, I don't. I can't call her back. You're like you have to call her back. I'm like I don't want to call she her back. Leave you a voicemail or anything? Uh, she did leave me a voicemail. She's like, hey, Caitlin, just wanted to speak with you for a second, so just give me a call back. I was like, she's and of course, you know, I'm like, she's gonna tell me I didn't get it. I don't want to call her, but of course, I called her and she told me. And but I, my friends, of course, were just like standing behind like the bread, <laughs> like hey, what's what's going on? And they could not read me because I'm just like trying to be cool about it, like oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Sure. Real stoic. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was something. I tell you what. I cannot even imagine the feeling. Mm. So that's like the role of a lifetime. Would you say like, 
What are your first memories of performing? Or when did you say like, this is something I really think I'd be good at or I enjoy it? Yeah, I, oof, it goes way back. I, I guess I, my parents started me in dance class around a lot of the times people start age four or five. Um, and, you know, I was having fun. It was an extracurricular activity. When I was in first grade, um, my aunt worked at um, Hazelwood Central High School um, and they were doing The Wizard of Oz and they needed an extra munchkin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't tell me why they needed an extra, but they did. And, you know, they're like, oh, Caitlin's cute. She's in dance class. We'll put some braids on her. It'll be fun. Um, and I, that, that was a mistake because I caught the bug right then. Um, I, I was hamming it up on stage all the time and I would come out afterwards. Like this is a high school production. I would come out afterwards and I played like munchkin number 50, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I would like sign people's programs. Like I thought that they wanted, that they were interested in what I was doing. That is (laughs) Um, so cute. How old were you again? Um, I was in first grade. So seven. Wow. Yeah. Um, and after that, I just, I wanted to perform. I wanted to listen to every, um, Broadway cast recording. You know, I had my Broadway kids tapes. I started giving up things. You know, I I quit soccer to take on more dance classes. Mm -hmm. When I got old enough, I started working at the front desk at my dance studio so I could afford to continue taking more dance classes, you know? Um, so it just, it sort of, it just sort of melded over time. Um, I did my first professional gig um, in fourth grade. I did an opera and I got paid for it. So I got oh, to, wow. I started my bank account in fourth grade with my mom, put my little check in there. And uh, I think it just sort of, it sort of became something, it became a part of me in a way that I I couldn't see myself doing anything else if that makes sense yeah did you ever have to make a distinction between like saying i want to do musical theater versus like film or tv or was it always just like musical theaters um what is that what did that look like i mean when i was younger i didn't know the difference and so sometimes i'd be like i'm gonna go to hollywood or Mm -hmm. you know something like that but i realized quickly that what i loved was the live aspect of things Mm-hmm. And I was training specifically for that. Um, and I knew that I, I love New York City. Um, I visited both L.A. and New York City, and New York was definitely more my vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think it just kind of took form on its own. Um, and eventually, your training sort of specifies you for that. And if I wanted to go into film and TV now, which is still a possibility. There are some mm-hmm. things that interest me. I I would have to go back to class for it. I would have to take classes in a studio here that are specific to film and TV. Um, yeah. And I haven't built that network. I've built, I've started to build a network of people that I know in musical theater, um, in touring and regional and other um, aspects of musical theater. But I would have to basically start over if I wanted to, go that route. Um, and you definitely want to do it right because film and TV also is obviously filmed and your auditions are filmed. And mm-hmm. 
you don't want, if you go in and are not prepared or do something that they don't like or that you're just not aware of because you haven't been properly taught how to do it, you can kind of get pushed away and kind of blacklisted for a little bit. Um, so it's, it's its own sort of entity onto itself. Um, so you went to Indiana University and got a degree in musical theater. Is that common for people who want to pursue a career like you, or can you just get up and say, you know, I've done uh, local theater, I've done regional theater, uh, and I'm now I'm going to move to the big city and, you know, just try and take a chance. Why, why did you choose schooling versus the other alternate route? Yeah, I, those are definitely the, the standard two routes. You can graduate high school and go and try to make it big and just hit the ground running. Um, or you can go to university. There's sort of that in between. There's schools like um, AMDA, American uh, Music and Dramatic Academy, um, that are two-year programs. And they're specifically two-year programs because they want to get the artists out faster. They want you to be able to get into the real world, world quicker, younger, all that kind of stuff. So there is that possibility too, um, but it's an associate's degree. To, um, can I just interject and say, mm -hmm. is, would you say that's to their detriment if they're pushed out quickly or is it just a different I type of training? I think it just sort of depends on, on the person, to be honest. Because okay. um, especially if someone is like specifically a dancer or a ballerina, it, it behooves you to, to do that early um, because your career can be shorter. Right. Um, it all, it all kind of depends. But I chose to go to a university setting because I didn't feel ready. I didn't feel like I knew what any of this world looked like at all. Um, and I'm sure I could have found people to mentor me here, but I was not ready. I needed those four years to grow as a person, as an artist, mm -hmm. um, find resources, ask people questions. Um, you know, it, it, obviously it's not all about your training. Um, at the end of the day, it's what you bring into the room. They, right. you know, having a school on your resume can maybe help you get into a room if they're familiar with it. But at the end of the day, it's what you bring as the performer. Is um, Indiana known for their, uh, their, theatrical department? Yeah. Um, there, our musical theater program is fairly new in comparison to other programs like um, CCM uh, or Michigan, those types of places. But um, IU, the Jacobs School of Music is really, really, um, is a big, it's a big one. Um, it's often in, com in competition with Juilliard. So we we have a lot of recognition from that and they have a ballet school as well and um, a dance school, which recently merged with the theater department. Um, so we have a lot of professors from a lot of different places. And luckily a lot of people from the earlier years of our program really set a good precedent for IU. Um, and we're also a smaller program. Um, they accept between like nine and 12 every year for um, each class. Dang. Yeah, in comparison to some, there's some bigger programs. Some are, you know, 15 to 20, some are 35, some are 50. Um, so there's also that aspect that I, I wanted a little bit more um, intimate setting. And they also know that in the real world, 
going forward that there's less of us out there, but that we had a lot of intimate training and they know that we can like, they specifically look at us as like a smaller group, if that makes sense. The elite. (laughs) Maybe, possibly. (laughs) Would you say taking that musical theater angle, who was somebody you looked up to as a child or continue to look up to as a mentor? Oh gosh. I, as a kid, I think it was literally every single actress, actor that I interacted with. Oh, okay. I was, you know, anyone that I worked with at the Muni or um, Stages or Union Avenue Opera, Opera Theater of St. Louis, all these places, I just saw them as working professionals and was in awe. Just like, how do you do this? How did you even get here? And to me, they were big and famous and huge. And some of them were, some of them weren't, but I felt like every single one of them was teaching me something. Um, And then when I started to learn a little bit more about theater and the people inside of it, I have always looked up to Audra McDonald. Um, She's just a breath of fresh air in this industry and I love her. Um, And also Maren Maisie, who sadly passed away a few years ago. Um, But she embodied so much of who I want to be, not only as a performer, but as a person. Um, lovely person, gorgeous voice, incredible actress, um, one for the books. So definitely those two. I think, arguably, I just want to say, I think you made, I'm so serious, I think about this all the time. I think you made the same impact on all those little kids, those little girls we saw at the Cinderella show, dressed in their little outfits. And when you came on stage, stood up and started cheering and like getting so excited. And then when they saw you on the side of the building, Mm -hmm. I I almost started crying because I'm like, you're having the same impact on these kids that these people had on you. Those little kids could be like the superstars of the next generation. Like, gosh, I I, I truly think that. Yeah, I, that's, that was definitely something that, kept me going in, in, in trying times on tour. Um, so cute. And I hoped that, you know, you hope you see all the excitement on their face and you hope that at least a love of the arts and appreciation for the arts, um, and maybe a role model, you know, comes through for them. It, it was, um, yeah, I'll never, I'll never, ever, ever forget that for sure. I won't ever forget that. (laughs) When people, when you came out, Anthony and I were like, oh my God, we know her. I know who that is. Like, it's, she's the star of the show. Oh, gosh. It was exciting. When you were uh, making the decision to really take what you want to do seriously, and, and did you receive, just because I'm basing this off of um, stereotypes and television and all that, but did you receive some hesitancy from family or friends being like, I don't think that's a good idea. You shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. Like, how did you decide I'm going to do it anyway? Like, what, what did that look like? <sighs> yeah. You know, and I still on some levels receive pushback. It, it, it sort of depends. Um, I think, still. It, <laughs> I mean, maybe not me personally, but yes, me personally, sometimes with, with people I've just met. Um, oh, right. You know, it's, when people hear you're an artist or a performer, 
Yeah. It's sort of this, like, willy-nilly, like, oh, okay, cool for you. You know, when are you going to get a real job? <laughs> right. Um, and it it's it's a sad stereotype, I think. We, we spend so long telling kids they can be whatever they want to be and to follow their right. dreams. And as soon as they do, they're like, no, 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 excuse you, go get a real job. And it's very confusing. Have um, a different dream. Yes, please. Maybe there's like a, maybe there's like a jealousy aspect to it. Because I'm just thinking of, of uh, if people didn't have movies or television mm-hmm. or, you know, performances, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't have much to do. I mean, that's what keeps them entertained. Absolutely. So, or musicians included. Um, so when we kind of put that idea down, I think it's just so strange because that medium is so valued by absolutely millions of people i mean think about think about all the things that we're relying on right now in quarantine almost all of it is art in some aspect um whether it's netflix you know movies our music all of this stuff even live theater streams and it's so so it's hard it's hard in that aspect when people don't realize how much art they consume in their daily lives and really feels necessary to their soul. Mm-hmm. And yet mm-hmm. we're not, you don't, you don't see that reflected in, in, in society and in the that, way that artists that's are viewed. That's an interesting way to think about it. Like we, right now we have all this other nonsense stripped away mm-hmm. and what we're left with is like you said, different forms of art and that's what's making people stay sane. Like that's, yeah, it's a pretty big deal that I hope, um, school departments that just cut their theater program or something are probably like, dang it. Like maybe we should have, uh, I mean, there could be some positive changes in that aspect. I never really thought about that. I, I hope that, I hope that it brings a little bit more awareness and that people aren't so quick to disregard people who are artists, um, as, as not being practical or not, not being contributing members of society. And, you know, if you can, Venmo your artists, tip them, you know, buy their art, consume their Are art. Are you asking for money? <laughs> <laughs> yes, my Venmo handle is. Um, no, but it's, you know, I think people take it for granted. And now all of a sudden it's like, wait, my, my TV show might not come back for next season. What is that going to mean for me? I'm like, yeah, it's important. And not just celebrities, but in many aspects. And, you know, it's also... It, it's, it's a crazy time, too, because people, a lot of my peers, myself included, when, when the administration sat down and were like, okay, how much money do people need? What is a living wage that people need now that so many people don't have jobs? And they mm-hmm. increased unemployment benefits by so much. My peers and I feel like we're rolling in money all of a sudden. Because we were not making a living wage um, most of the time. And wow. so it's something Even it's on, something like to think on about. these show tours, you're saying? Uh, well, I mean, it depends on the contract, definitely. But even then, uh, you know, if, if you're paying rent, if you're paying student loan yeah. bills, if you're paying, you know, uh, health insurance, because most of us do not receive health insurance through our work. Um, and if you do, there's a lot of requirements that go around receiving health insurance. And if you don't meet them one year, you suddenly don't have it. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of crazy up in the air aspects to this job in general. And, you know, so those contracts, but also 
anyone's side gigs that they're working. Um, so it's, it's just an interesting thing that I hope people become a little bit more aware of and realize that it's people, people just, people deserve to be paid a living wage and be paid what they're worth, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Those are great points. And hopefully we'll see a change, um, but we'll see. I, in preparing for this, Caitlin, looked over your resume. Oh. Um, and <laughs> it's an <there> interview. Was, <laughs> this is an interview, actually. Oh. Uh, and I was struck by the skills aspect. Oh, And yes. I just wanted a little uh, indication on, I didn't realize that you knew sign language. I do. I knew that. I did not know that. I remember knew that. that. <laughs> yeah. How long have you known sign language? And For what made you want time. to learn that? Um, I actually have um, some deaf relatives. Um, so it sort of started with that and learning how to communicate with them. But also my elementary school was um, a feeder school to the deaf school. So we had deaf children in a bunch of our classes and we had interpreters in our classes. And I was fascinated with them. I would always mm -hmm. watch the interpreters instead of my teacher um, and try to pick up, you know, and as kids do, mm -hmm. our brains are such sponges that I would yes. be able to pick up and match what they were doing with what the teacher was saying a lot of the time. So I picked yeah. up a lot of it on my own um, and then I did a little bit more formal training a little bit later. Um, I'm always drawn to that, too, because it's kind of like a performance. Absolutely it is. Absolutely. Because, I mean, from what you told me and I think other people in high school when they took um, signing classes, they were talking about how you have to show expression to convey what the emotion in people's voice sounds like. So it yes. becomes sort of its own performance. And I always find myself staring at the interpreters. That's the exactly time. what it is. And it's so cool. And I love I love watching interpreters for um, musical theater performances and concerts. If you yes. haven't seen an interpreter, like interpret a Beyonce concert, go yes. look it up. It's it is insane. Fun. I love it. Um, it's, it's its own art form. Um, and my heart definitely goes out right now to, to the deaf and hard of hearing community uh, with the mask situation as well. I know that they rely a lot on facial yes. recognition and on lip reading. Um, so I did I'm, not even think about that. Wow. Yeah. And I, you know, I have all these masks too. And now I'm, I have this thing in the back of my head that's like, oh my gosh, what if I run into someone who needs to read my lips and I don't have, I know, I know. You could take I, it off, I, I guess. I think that there are, they're making some that have like a clear plastic piece. Yeah, but um, then they're going to get that like, that wet. <laughs> You're right. It would be very, very condensation-y. Yes. yes, that's, yeah, yes. I don't, and it's going to get foggy. You got to clean it out. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. Uh, the second one on here, extreme puppeteering. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, what? <laughs> extreme puppeteering, like X, like the X games. Um, yes. So I am not um, a puppeteer with my hands. I'm, I have not gone to school for puppeteering by any means. I can do some <laughs> sock puppetry for you. However, in Cinderella... When I was in the ensemble, at the very top of the show, you first see Cinderella, and then to introduce the prince, there is what is called the bug fight, which is, I don't know if you guys remember this, but there's like a giant praying mantis looking bug. 
Okay. That the prince fights at the very beginning and saves. Uh, They're like, oh, he saved us. I do us. Remember, yeah. that. remember that. It's very odd. Everyone's very confused for a second. <laughs> um, but this, this bug, I was one of the people that puppeted her. Um, her name oh. is Joan. Yes. And she has, I would wear an entirely black morph suit. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, these platform, black platform boots that were about, I want, I think they were 10 inches tall. Um, and then there were legs, pieces that attached from my waist to my feet and my knees. I had to pick up my feet really, really tall to make them walk like a bug. <laughs> and then there was like a backpack piece that sat and it went about four feet above my head as well. And then arm pieces. And so it was this huge, giant puppet that I puppeted. Um, I was the weekday Joan, and then there was a weekend Joan. Oh, um, my Weekday gosh. Joan. Yes, uh, because it was very heavy, so it was split between two ensemble members. Is the name of this bug, like, in the script, or is it something you guys No, it was just a funny, like, the costume department named her Joan because she sits, she's only there for a second in the show. And then mm-hmm. they put her away, and she's just kind of sitting there looking at everybody. Her <laughs> eyes are just kind of looking at you still. Mm-hmm. So they felt like they needed to name her. So her name is Joan, now and forever. Um, but yes, I put that on there as a kind of a joke and a story yes. to tell. But it's a conversation starter, and honestly, that's a skill. Exactly. Like, no, you, I think it's great. You want them to be like, great. what's this now? What's yeah. This? yeah. Well, now I, I, I have one more. Yes. Advanced partnering. Aha. Uh-huh. What yes. is that? Um, so the last two professional shows I did, um, Cinderella and Bandstand, both of them are heavy, heavy partnering dance shows. Excuse uh, me. I'm sorry. I keep burping. Um, so in Cinderella, you saw there was the ball, and we did a bunch of lifts and crazy stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's one type of partnering. And then in Bandstand, it was a swing dance show. We did a lot of swing dance and tricks with the boys and flips and thrown in the air and slide around. And um, so I just felt after those two things, where I've done a lot of in-depth partnering work. It's a it's its own skill in itself, different than just dancing. So threw that on yeah. there. So you're, you're an advanced partnering, not like expert partnering. Quite. <laughs> yes, yet. I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I can't do I can't do the most crazy, crazy stunts, but we're, we're getting there getting there all right one last question i got what are you looking forward to is there one thing you're looking forward to over the next week month Mm. six months wow that's a great question that i should be asking myself more often i think um you're looking forward to thinking about this question (laughs) that's true (laughs) i'm putting it in my gratitude journal (laughs) um no i I'm looking forward to, well, we moved the room around in here so that we can easily get onto the deck now. It's a very small room and there is a deck out here, but we had to like crawl over furniture to get to it. So we did move stuff around uh, so that we can get to it easier. So I'm looking forward to enjoying some outdoor space, which we don't have a lot of in quarantine yes. in New York City. Um, so that's going to be nice. I'm I'm looking forward to continuing to connect with all of this community of, of artists and podcasters and um, <laughs> friends and all of this. It's been really exciting. I've definitely, I feel like as an introvert, I have 
connected with more people because I can stay in my pajamas and stay in my house. Yep. Um, yeah. Then I oh, have in a long time. <laughs> you know. Totally so with you on that. That's really really awesome. Um, yeah, I think there, there's a lot of a lot of good and a lot of lovely things to look forward to. Still, we're still very blessed to be living in this time, no matter what's going on. I love that. I Wait, think, I have yep. one more. Yes. Go for it. I you you mentioned how there's huge differences between um, movies, TV, and theater. Is there any like weird rules and stuff uh, that not the average person would not know? Like when you go on stage, do your nails have to be a certain color? Is like, uh, is your hair always fake? Is there something weird that you have to do to prepare that people would not hmm. know about? That's interesting. It definitely depends on the show. Um, I'm not sure necessarily about film and TV. I've done some random extra work, but I don't really have a good grasp on that. I think in musical theater, more often than not, you're in a wig. Um, the women are. So, and because it also helps, not only does it help it keep the shape of how they want it to look, but also most of the time your microphone is inside of your wig to keep it from the less that you can have a microphone pack on your person, the better, um, the especially whole pack is in your wig or just the, the whole pack, the, the, what? yeah, <laughs> that thing's huge. Yeah. It's, it's, it can be heavy, but it, it does make more sense, especially for dancers to keep it off of your body as much as possible. Because if you're going to roll around or you're going to do a trick with a guy and they're going to grab you, you don't want to end up, Sorry, I didn't mean to clap into the microphone. Um, <laughs> I did it too. Thanks. Um, you don't want to end up smashing the the box of the microphone. It would hurt you. It would hurt the mic. So, yeah. So, more often than not, you're wearing a wig, which has also kept me from shaving my head because occasionally <laughs> I have this idea that I want to shave my head. Do it! I've had many a time, but the now problem is... Now is the time to do it! Dude, I know, but the problem is I can't... In order to wear wigs in a show, I would have to glue it to my head. There would be Ooh. nothing to hold it onto my head if I had if I had no hair. Is that something that you don't want to do? Not well, not necessarily, but also I'm Anthony's thinking of his head so hard. <laughs> I'm thinking of Cinderella when I did the role, I had six wig changes in the show. <laughs> so it would have been impossible. Oh, okay. So it would have kept it it could have been something that kept me from a role, something really, really mm -hmm. stupid and arbitrary. What about what about like the how you divide your hair and do the buzz underneath? Mm, That'd a be good cool. suggestion. <laughs> it's a middle road. Yes, compromise. We'll, we'll get there. I don't think I know. Anthony's on board, but I'm 100 percent for this idea. To be fair, you know, I've I've thought of it since college. It was not just a quarantine thing. Yeah, but it's also like. Ugh, I would maybe have to do my makeup all the time in order to like. Uh, you know, it's just. I say YOLO. I mean, I wouldn't do it, but... <laughs> you wouldn't do it? Well, actually, I have You have kinda... done it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I... Oh, well, I mean, yes. I think And YOLO. That's, it's not my decision. You you, you should do it. You That's do whatever fair. you want. All right. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, Keep I'll us FaceTime updated. you in if it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, Caitlin, thank you very much. This was very fun. This was such a thrill. Thank and, you for uh, having me. It's so is... exciting. Really, 
good perspective, and it's always nice talking to you. Thank you. I wish we, we could have uh, seen you in Dallas, but we will surely see you perform in the future. I hope so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one. I am as well. You guys are true ride or dies. Aw. <laughs> Till the end. Yes. All right. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you so much. In my own little corner, in my own little chair, I can be whatever I want to be. That was really great. I uh, had a really enjoyable time with uh, Caitlin, and I hope that you all, uh, all the listeners out there, all 100,000 of you, found her uh, insightful and, uh, you know, we're able to uh, see why she's such a good friend of ours and, um, you know, learn a little bit about the musical theater uh, industry. Yeah, there's so much I didn't even get to ask. Excuse my whining puppy. Um, we could do a whole nother episode of just our shenanigans from high school, but we haven't talked to her or seen her since, I, I don't know, it's been a little over a year now since we saw her in Cinderella, so... But that's what's so great about her is she's one of those people that you can just kind of call up out of the blue, which I did. I didn't talk to her in over a year. Maybe exchange a few text messages. Uh, yeah, one of the people that you just pick right back up where he left yeah, off. Yeah, like, that's kind of where that conversation yeah. went. Was, and um, So that was really nice. And so uh, when I came to her with this idea, she was very enthusiastic, and I knew that she'd have some really good insight. So Yeah. Yeah, I thought, uh, I didn't really think about in the the Corona times, mm-hmm. how uh, her point about um, pushing forward with her dream, even though she got all the negative pushback right, right. her entire life, and now that's all we have is the arts, mm-hmm. and people are like, oh, wait, I want to watch my TV show. Oh, wait, you can't, because, anyway, it, it's like everything we have, uh, it's kind of karma for all the people that... Um, Said, ah, you got to you got to get a real job. You can't pursue this dream of yours. And yeah, it's interesting. I, I during the conversation, I said that uh, you know people who kind of take that position must come from a, a a place of jealousy. But as I think about it now, it seems like it may be that it's it is a very risky move to you know pursue something so uncertain, and that's even for athletes as well. Um. So, yeah, I don't think she's one of those people that perseveres and really believes in herself. And I don't know if I was in the same situation, not that I have any kind of talent that she does. I don't even know what I would pursue, but uh, being sarcastic, apparently, Um, I I don't know if I would still be able to push past all the, yeah, you should get a, a real job or. You're not going to make any money in that. Like all the the stereotypes that you hear. She was saying they're real. I think at some point I would just be like, all right, fine. I'll just go into finance. <laughs> yes. No, yeah. Make a decent living that way. And, maybe, and possibly, maybe she likes, there's that element of uncertainty, which is fun. And it's always making you uh, having to, you know, push yourself and, and, and not get too comfortable. Yeah, you don't know what's coming next. You're on the road, things happen, weather comes up, or, uh, yeah, she said she was, um, what's it called when you are on standby if somebody gets sick? She was an understudy. 
Understudy, thank you. Uh, she said she was an understudy. It, it, what, I can't even imagine the feeling of, oh, you're on all of a sudden. And you have to just be, you have to know multiple parts. Mm. Like that blows my mind. It's quite a test. My brain does not have that mental capacity <laughs> at all. Well, I bet you could do it. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, you have the capacity to dance. That's what you both did in high school. That yeah. takes a lot. I couldn't dance. I have no coordination. But she has like three different versions of that dance, mm -hmm. that two hour dance in her head at all times. That's freaking nuts. She's got like three scripts she could be doing at once in her head. Yeah. That is yeah. a lot. I mean, I guess after 370 times, you kind of, it just kind of flows, but. Yeah, but I mean, think of it like the stuff that you do. I don't know how to do it. With like, like what? Just putting this podcast together or making videos. I told you that would take me like four days to put like two clips together. I don't get it. Repetition, man. Well, maybe that's what it is. What do we know, though? I know nothing. <laughs> uh, I think it was good. And for as a first interviewee, she was a, a thrill. So I'm, I'm glad that we started with her and, you know... We will continue to. Uh, <laughs> we can only go down from here. I yeah, honestly, <laughs> our hundred thousand followers is going to go overnight down to zero. So <laughs> <laughs> lost all of our freaking sponsors. It was, yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't want to list those. I don't want to list those sponsors right now. We don't want to. Yeah, no. Let's let's uh, give the people something to look forward yes. to. Yeah, we're not going to list any. Sponsors. Do you hear Boone whining? Boone, you want to say bye to the people? Come here, baby. Come here, baby. It's a sil or yeah. Boone is a silver lab. He's a cute little dog. The the listeners should follow me on Instagram at Allie underscore lad, and you will get all the Boonie pics and videos. He's the goodest boy, even though we shit on the floor three times today. Oh, jeez. Oh, he's biting the mic. All right. Oh, so God. I think that's where we're going to call it. Uh, <laughs> everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, be well. Be kind. And hopefully we don't get canceled by the next episode. Take care, everybody. <laughs>